you don't know it by now, I can be a bit controversial on how I handle my business and in how I coach other designers about their business. Running a design firm or any small business for that matter is not a one-size-fits-all wrapped up in a pretty bow. It's about building the framework from the ground up and having a solid foundation that will make it recession-proof. The Design Paradigm is a comprehensive and powerful coaching program for interior designers wanting a challenge and looking to grow. It has epic twists and turns in the way you might think about business. If you are a little rebellious in thought, want to win it, avoid groupthink, don't care what others are doing, and want a sustainable business over the long haul that makes you stand out, then the design paradigm is the right place for you. We will be a partner in reimagining and refocusing your business from the ground up. Find out more at theinteriordesignparadigm.com. You have to help yourself first. No one is going to do it for you. And sometimes it requires going out of your way to figure it out, find the answers, ask for more, speak up, connect the dots, and no matter what, show up as the professional you want to be seen as. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Join host Cheryl and Liz, the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts. Hey everyone, we are so happy you are here today with our Damn Good Designer podcast. This topic today is going to be a little bit one of those things where sometimes I ruffle a feather or two, so you got to stick with me here, all right? Today might not be any different than normal, where I kind of maybe make you think about something a little bit, where sometimes you might go, I'm never listening to that again, you know, she's crazy or whatever, something like that. I just want to make sure that uh, you stick with me till the end and give it a chance to, to really let us talk about this subject. And what I want to dive into talking about today is leveling up our professionalism as an industry. (sighs) Y'all, we really need to. There are just some out there who do not know any different, and that's okay, and learning and all of that. But there are some, well, it's hurting it's hurting all of us. It really is. And and I would say that I think most of us love the industry. Maybe after <laughs> maybe after a few years you you decide that it's not for you and you want to do something else. But I think that that it's it's not a field where you're gonna make be making like a bazillion dollars a year right off the bat or something like that. So I think that people have to love the industry to a certain degree. And I know I do. Mm-hmm. I know I do. But I'm baffled sometimes by the level of professionalism exhibited by some designers and design firms. I, I really, I really am. And this is a hot topic with me. And so I really want to share it with you guys. And I hope that some of this can resonate with you. And, and really, I don't care if you're small, new, old, changing careers or been doing it 40 million years. It really doesn't matter because you choose to be a professional. You choose how you show up. You choose how you run a business with integrity, no matter what. No matter if you're a part-timer, no matter if you are a mom at home with kids running around your feet or whatever, you can still be professional, okay? You don't have to be a full-time person to be professional. You do not have to be, have a firm and, a, and, and employees and all that to be professional. Being professional is a choice. And now it's, it's part of my job to be aware of what's happening, you know, in the industry in general by watching, you know, groups and, you know, suffering through some of the stuff that that I have to read and look at and all of that in order to really understand what is going on in the market, you know, in our industry. I participate a lot in my own group. I'm one of the few coaches that actually, you know, are very involved in my group. And, um, and I just see people not being able 
to get out of their own way. And Liz, you probably see this a little bit here and there, but because you're insulated a little bit and because you are not on Facebook and listening to all this stuff or, <laughs> or you know, going through this and, you know, I'm taking one for the team here sometime, diving into this, but I know that just last night, well, maybe it was not last night. Maybe it was this one. I don't remember no, what it was, a, but I, I had- sent a couple. Did I send some? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I did? did? Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. See there y'all see that's what happens. If it's after nine o'clock, I don't remember anything I do. (laughs) I think what the the bummer part about it really is too how when people have an experience with someone who operates that way, it sets a precedent for what they think this industry is about. And just like you said, it's it's not just about sort of taking pride in what you do and, and acknowledging that you're growing if you're young to it and all that type of thing, but it's really considering, you know, how you're impacting the industry and the perception of what it is that we all do and, and respecting that to some degree. Right, right. I, I agree with that. And I think when the when the economy is strong, some of the best practices and professionalism get tossed out the window. You know, it's it's sort of a smug attitude of, eh, business is booming and and that sort of thing. And it's a little bit of arrogance. I think sneaks out even in the best of us. It's just a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of non-client centric sort of behavior and that sort of thing. But then when you get through a downturn or you're going into a downturn, then it's near impossible to correct this misperception and how you're being seen in the minds of others and, and your clientele and your and your customers and and whatever, you know, the audience that you have, whether they are referring you or they're they're visiting your website or walking into your shop or studio or whatever. You know, it's difficult to recover when someone has that perception. You know, the the analogy or the not the analogy, but the saying that is uh, you know, you only get a one chance to make a first impression or whatever that is. I don't know. I can't remember it. It's something like that. So, you know, that's the same sort of idea. So I want you to think carefully about what I'm saying here because it is the truth. It really is the truth. And, and, you know, I saw this with contractors. Liz, I think I've talked to you about this before during the recession in the 2009-ish, whenever that was, you know, being courted, you know, being courted by a few contractors who needed work, right? So, so before that, they couldn't give me the time of day and, you know, oh, you don't need a designer and, you know, whatever to their clients or what have you. But then come a downturn, then those subs, you know, even our beloved plumber who I've been working with for 20 (laughs) years, you know, was like, hey, Gerald, you got any work for us? You know, what's up? You know, with, with what's happening? You know, that kind of thing. And so I think that it's kind of natural to do that. And then in the last few years, we've had all this crazy craziness. And those same guys, those same contractors, and they did happen to all be men, so I'm not being sexist there they're like, you know, giving you the, they're ghosting you. You know, then it's no, like, I don't need you anymore. I mean, it's just such a a typical thing, you know, it's, it's short-sighted. It's foolish on their part. And I've been standing for two decades. Okay. Two decades. And I don't forget those who do not have the time to return a call. I really don't. I do not forget that. I have a very short memory when it comes to holding a grudge and that sort of thing, but a long memory when it comes to people that uh, behave in that manner and, and, you know, don't give us a call back. And I think you know who I'm talking about, Liz. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even when they're really well-known, well-established, you know, people in the industry, you would think that at some point they would either hire some admin to help them out or realize that the sort of bedside manner and customer service end of things has to go both ways. You know, you have to consider when people are dropping work right in your lap that maybe you should be willing to take care of them on the other end. But, you know, it's just like you said, it really goes through both sides of the industry, just making sure that that sort of attention to the fact that you are operating a business, that you are going to have a reputation, both short term and long term over time, you want to make sure that that experience that anyone has with you is professional, even if you can't take on the job, even if you have to say no, you know, there are ways to handle that in a way that 
good point. still establishes a good point of view and that keeps everyone in kind of good standing. Right. And we talk about that, too, on, on the on the lead calls. You know, we just had one uh, a few right. days ago and it was it was like, OK, you know, this is a referral from a great client. Um, and it's something that I, I really just can't do it because it's short notice. It is something that I'm going out of town. I, I just I just can't do it. I would love to help, but I just can't, even though it's a short thing and all that they're willing to pay for that. It, it's but it's just not something. But we have to handle that delicately. I mean, you have to handle it in a professional manner and all that. And and so many people these days. I mean, this is just becomes a thing like where people just ghost you and don't say anything. There was somebody today on a on a post that will absolutely be a podcast that was talking about and said, "Well, why don't you just ignore the phone ignore the text message from your client? Ignore the phone call." I'm like, "Really?" That's what you do. Oh, good that's, lord! That's, that is your. That is under. That is under. Like how to run a business one hundred and one. No, it's not. And I'm sure that this person. I don't even remember who it was talking about. It was doing it out of a just like ignoring bad behavior type thing. But it's not bad behavior. It's someone asking a question, and it's just right. you don't want to answer that question because you're operating from a place of fear. So you just ignore it, or you can't be bothered, or whatever the case may be. And it's just. It's just not right. Okay, so let's get into this, you know, before we run out of all of our time. You know, what specifically are we talking about? So, you know, what makes the Cheryl top 10 troublesome transgressions list? I was going to do like a lot of alliteration for those T's. And then I thought, I don't even know if I can get through the word transgressions today. So stop for a minute. There is some business coach out there right now listening, <laughs> saying, oh, no, she isn't. And yes, she is. So let's talk about number one, your website. Websites with a multitude of grammar mistakes and God forbid, oh my God, God forbid misspelled words is a tragedy. It really is a tragedy. And believe me, they are out there. We're all probably have a few. We really do. We all have a few. You know, we're undergoing a website uh, zhuzh right now on things. And I'm sure that if I went and looked at it, because I've written a lot of the copy at 2 a.m. when I've had a free moment, there's probably going to be a misspelled <laughs> word or a typo or something once, maybe maybe somewhere on the 50,000 pages we have. But but there's not going to be many because we have hello, spell check. And some, though, that I look at are riddled with easily fixed errors. And they don't say good things about about you. They really don't. And mistakes happen to all of us, you know, especially when you're updating, like right now. I mean, there could be something on the, you know, on our on our uh, programmer's part that, that comes up wrong and I have to look at it. And maybe I don't get to it right away, but we still launch. I get it. You know, that all that sort of thing happens, but there's no excuse for a website full of them. Spell check, Grammarly, all of this can help you with that. And websites don't have to be expensive, y'all. I know a lot of people do the DIY type website, which I think is fine. I really do. I, I don't, see a problem with doing that. I mean, I, I'm going to spend my time in a, in a more productive manner to, to actually, you know, for business development. But but if you want to do that, I think it's fine. But you need somebody else to look at it and someone else to prove it. Because there are things sometimes that you just don't see in your own, you know, writings. And but but here's the deal. Here's the upshot of this. Don't advertise $150, $200, $250 per hour, and then have a website full of mistakes. Hello, that is not looking good on you. It does not reflect well on your ability to manage your client's needs either. And they see this and people do subliminally understand and think this through. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, think about it. You just think about yourself. Think about when you go looking for someone to hire anyone, anyone for anything, any company, any restaurant. When you go looking for a company that you want to engage with to do work, you want to see something that inspires you, that excites you, that looks organized, that looks like it's a legit business, that has basic contact information easily available. 
just really basic things that establish these people mm -hmm. are operating, they understand what's going on, they know I have a little bit of time and I need to get in touch with them and that they're gonna make this easy for me so I can find the information I need. It shouldn't be that difficult, right? It's just such a precedent, like you said, for what is the service gonna be like when you work with this company? Are they running by the seat mm -hmm. of their pants trying to get stuff done and not really taking the time and care to what it is that they're presenting to make sure that it's right? It right. all coincides right. with that same mentality. Right, it telegraphs, it telegraphs to, to people. And, and the thing is, is that your website is, the reason I start with that is number one, because your website is your biggest referral source. Okay, it really is. Unless you're very small and you only take on exclusive projects, maybe a couple a year or whatever, if you have to scale, and remember, I'm a growth coach here. I'm a growth person, so I'm not trying to help people get smaller or whatever. So I'm always gonna be thinking from that stance because that's the, the way that I operate. But your website is, for anybody who wants to grow, your biggest referral source. It just, it just is. Okay, so here's number two. Okay, this is a big pet peeve. All right, it's a big pet peeve. Professional designers do not use other people's work in their portfolio or honestly promote it anywhere in their business. They just, they just don't. This is not the way to get ahead on false pretenses. You will be found out. You will be found out and you cannot recover from that. You just can't. You cannot recover from such a marketing booby, okay? I mean, that is a big marketing booby, all right? And I don't like, personally, other people's photos and social media as I think it's disingenuous at best and, and misleading really at worst, you know, but I, I know that that's controversial. I mean, it is. And Liz, I don't even know if you really pay that much attention to that because you're probably just scrolling like, like a normal client well, would, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. And you're looking at it past for sure. Right. And it's, it's okay if you want to do that and it's okay to agree to disagree about this, but I see the value in posting your own and what inspires you from market or in a commercial setting, et cetera, but not other people's work, okay? Because every time people do it, they bury who, if they, if they source it, okay? Because there are some people that do not, especially newer designers who don't understand this or get it. And even if you bury it down at the bottom, I think it's not, I think it's disingenuous. If you really do want to post somebody else's work for a reason, then I would put that in a big way so that people don't you know, misunderstand because there's a lot of other ways to get that out there. But again, I know that this is, you know, this is controversial and some people do it. I'm, I'm not here to judge. I'm just giving you my, you know, honest opinions on it, you know, and I think you can show renderings of your design work too. Um, or, or how about taking a sad little MLS listing? You know, there's a lot of them out there and remaking it and showing that. I mean, come on now, y'all. What is more likely to get your work, right, Liz? I mean, is that is that more likely to get us work or is it more likely right. that we're showing other people's work and then maybe it's not consistent with our work or maybe it's not consistent with our skill or whatever? I think you just, you're setting yourself up for a lot of potential damage really to your company too if you start sort of promoting things that are really not genuine to what you're capable of or genuine to what your team is doing. You know, I think it's one thing, like you said, to maybe share something inspiring from maybe a designer friend of yours who did something beautiful and you promote it properly on yes, social media okay. or something. But that's a very different situation than, you know, essentially using your website, which just as you said, is this resource that people are going to be using to vet you to start this vetting process to determine if they want to hire you and not making it totally well, wait clear minute, what well, wait is minute, and is minute, not what minute. you're doing. Well, wait a minute. Okay. So on your website, 
it, that's just absolutely plagiarism. But I'm really talking also, oh, yeah. and that that for sure is what I was talking about at the beginning, but I'm also talking about Instagram, Liz. And that's yeah. the thing is that I think, because I know you, you're moving and grooving and all that. You probably wouldn't even notice necessarily, like a client might not, if it was not somebody's work. You might be scrolling through something and going, oh, wow, this is really great. You know, this this person really knows what they're doing. And then buried down there, there is something that, that disclaims that it's not their actual work. I just don't, I just right. don't like it. I mean, on your website, it's just like, I mean, seriously, I mean, just I, I right. like I can't even go there. That is that is a well, non-starter like said, for me. There's so many creative ways to to work around that. Again, if you really are interested in doing this and, and being serious about it, you know, just like you said, find a listing and do something really beautiful in a in a 3D render or, you know, work up some beautiful I don't know, storyboards or something like that, or, or pictures of your own home, work through some spaces or do some of those one room challenges, There's tons There's of all sorts of do. opportunities to be able to do that sort of thing. I mean, and people get are just good lazy sometimes. content for, well, yeah, that too, yeah. obviously. Yeah, people are just lazy. Okay. So and while we're on that subject, I would say number three is pros also don't use AI without disclaiming that's what it is. Just don't. Okay. And yes, you may not realize it, but there are those right now who are doing this, this very second. I sent you some of this like six months ago, Liz, where looking, I'm like, oh my God, can you tell? And it wasn't even very good AI either, y'all. That's the thing. No. I'm like, seriously, if you're going to do it, then learn what you're doing and try to, you know, make it look good. But, but I think, and this is sort of the theme that was in this thread today too, like operating from a place of fear, operating from a place of uh, having to lie to people. Okay, I'm not going to lie to people. There may be times where we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to like, you know, spill our guts or verbally vomit on a client about every single thing. You know, I got this on sale for at the such and such for the such and such. I'm not going to get into all that. But if you have to resort to prevarication, what does that say about you and your integrity of your business? So that is just, I, I just cannot, I cannot deal with the AI thing being in your portfolio. I really can't. I don't even really like it on Instagram feeds either. And the same thing comes up all the time in, uh, in regular, in like vendor feeds and things like that, you know, or, yeah. or people that are trying to be influencers where it's this AI driven stuff. Okay, like we're gonna move on here. Uh, you know, number four, number four, um, here's one that might get y'all going a little bit. Okay, this might get you going. Liz, I know you're gonna have a lot to say to this and I don't know if you looked oh, at my boy. notes or anything beforehand, but, oh, yeah. but you're, Liz is gonna have something to say about this one. And I don't mean this is an absolute never, okay, but only in those rare situations when you must. Professional designers do not ship to their clients' homes. It makes me want to cry, y'all. It really does. Of course, there's going to be exceptions. I mean, there really isn't. I mean, we, we do jobs out of town and we don't do this, all right? But pros do not want the client seeing issues before they do, okay? That, this is a luxury service. Designers who do full service, this is part of your job. Hello, use a receiver, Okay, use a receiver or you can do like we did in New Jersey, our New Jersey client, and we had it all shipped here and then we put it on a truck and we sent right. it to the client's house. And it was still, because it was New Jersey, less expensive doing that here and receiving it here <laughs> and paying for someone to drive it there who turned out to be our window treatment installer. So that really was like a two for one. But it is, is really, it was less expensive for her to do it that way because New Jersey was expensive. So to me, piecemeal delivery is also a marketing fail if you can avoid it. There's like an extra part or piece or a, a small thing or an accessory or something you're getting after the fact or whatever, that's fine to do that. But to deliver everything piecemeal is not delivering a creative vision. It's just not. And if you deliver the vision, you won't be confused with the delivery driver. Okay, come on now. All right, go ahead, Liz. Right. I know you want to I talk just about can't. That 
I, I can't on this one just because there's so anyone who has checked in anything for themselves, any sort of shipments or lamps or it is a huge pain in the butt. And yes, of course, we take on that ownership when we're procuring product for our clients. And you know, there's a whole thing well behind to that because so. we're running a business, right? But there is no way there's no way we're going to send stuff like that to a client's home. Also, just trying to facilitate, trying to explain to them how important the check-in would be to make sure that you get what you need yeah. before you have to file a claim. Who knows if they're going to even remember what color or pattern or whatever it's supposed to be. I mean, you're just yeah, what are we supposed to do? Send them all up? of our purchase orders or a, or oh a booklet or something to know. I mean, how how does this even work? Like, I can't wrap my mind around how even someone does it. But the, but the worst part about it is is that it is a marketing fail. I've right. decided, Liz. I am no longer being termed as like a business coach i'm going to be called a marketing coach with a that knows how to run a business because you know so much of this y'all looks like business but it's really marketing it's really marketing right. it's it's business right. you're but removing it's the marketing. enjoyment from yeah you're removing that any any little ounce of enjoyment that this person's probably going to get out of the install you know seeing the whole yeah and, and just and just and then and you're asking for people to complain about it or to look at something oh i've got the box now right. i've got the number oh, so let sure. me go and shop you on that and whatever i mean it's just not it's just professional designers not do this period that's just that's just the way it is now again there may be a one-off here and there or whatever and things like that i'm talking about people who ship the entire thing to their house i mean that may be a different kind of service maybe you call that something different but i don't want that being confused with what i do and what most of the people right. that i know in the field do. So that's the way I feel about it. Okay. So what other transgressions are making my heart pound and my heart heavy? Cause that, that one is, is, uh, really like the one that I think makes my aura ring, like go crazy with the stress level on that. I got this really cool aura ring and I'm telling you, <laughs> it like gives me a stress report every day and it's not always a good thing, but I recover well, it says. So anyway, back to what I'm talking about. Professional designers also collaborate when they need help. They don't fake it and make us all look bad as a result because that's exactly what happens. And you, let me just tell you something. And Liz, I don't think I've talked to you about this, but I belong to a couple of cabinetry forums on Facebook. And the way that they talk about designers is scary. It's really scary. I mean, really, I had to tag my own my own cabinet maker in it just so that he'd come in and say, hey, you know, there are designers that know what they're doing out there, but there are so many people that do give us a bad reputation. And of course, the cabinet makers may be wrong too. But some of the things that I've seen, like actual screenshots and, and drawings and things like that, like they expect me to build something off of this, like drawing on a napkin kind of thing. Like I've seen the actual results and it's kind of scary. You know, it's kind of scary because it makes us all look bad. And I'm tired of trying to explain why my firm is not like yours. Okay, my firm is not like yours when you do things like that. And that is how it makes us look bad. Anyway, okay, yeah. so do you have anything to say about that one, Liz? Because I didn't know. I, I don't remember if I've ever even told you about the cabinet thing, but Randall knows because I've tagged him a few times in it. And I'm thinking, see, you've got it good, dude. You know, you've got, look at all that we do for you. You know, like he's treated know, like a, a king. I know he's happy, like a king. He, right? okay. I mean, he is happy to just stay in his shop and build his cabinets and install them and not have yeah. to deal with all the other hubbub. But yeah, that's what you I mean. It just is good sense. A, a lot of this stuff is just good sense. It's like you're, if you're offering a premium quality service to people who you're interacting with, you have to think about what the delivery and the interactions and all of the parts and pieces are going to feel like to them, whether or exactly. not they really feel like they're being taken care of, or if they're just on this kind of assembly line through this process that's 
hodgepodge together and, you know, constantly all over the place. It's just, you've got to really right. think about well, it. Well, I'm, it's very humbling to get into those groups because I can tell you, you're going to, you're going to see red because, Oof. you know, a lot of it's not fair. So anyway, okay. Number six, number six, professional designers do not listen to the coach du jour and raise rates when you don't have the body of work or the skill set to do so. Raising rates is great when you can justify it. When you can say, okay, my product is that much better, I'm going to, to put more money into it. Or my costs are that much more, I'm going to put you know, more money onto it. You know, if you're just beginning, then be humble enough to admit and charge fairly you know, with an eye to getting the work. Okay, you want to get the work because you can't get the experience if you don't get the work. And then that will advance your skills and your portfolio. There's no shame in this, y'all. There is no shame in this. And sometimes in these Facebook groups, people will shame someone who's charging $80 an hour. They don't know where she is. They don't know where she is on the continuum of her journey. They don't know anything, okay? They don't know anything. And you know what? If that's where you need to start to get it, then the very next job, you can raise the rate. The very next job you can do with that. And I'm just sick and tired of all the non-designers and other fields counseling people to do this without knowing their situation because that happens a lot. As far as I'm concerned is get the work unless your pipeline is full. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. We were just saying that yesterday. And I think too that this there's like a certain, I don't know, like feeling of contentment and fulfillment knowing that you're charging a fair rate for what it is that you're doing and that you're working hard for you know every single penny of that money. I think that when you start to sort of convolute the whole conversation with I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but like charging what you're worth and, you know, making sure that you're charging no matter what yeah, or whatever yeah, that yeah. thing was you sent. You charge your deli- value. No, charge who cares your value. about deliverables? It's like, yeah. you, you oh, cannot oh, oh, wait, expect wait, 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 take- wait, 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 <laughs> wait, you just said something. Okay. Wait. Okay. You don't care about deliver. I mean, that, you, you know, that people don't care. Well, you know, just the other day I was talking to somebody, a designer who said that her friend down the road or whatever had hired a coach that says, don't worry about deliverables. Don't worry about that. You just go right in and just, you know, you just go right in there and you just charge all that money that you want. And you just do this because, you know, fake it till you make it, whatever. Well, okay. I'm sorry, but that's just wrong and bad advice. That is just wrong and bad advice. And that's exactly what you were just you know, going to yeah. say, Liz, and I, I, just I just don't know how I, people I could, not could that. operate that way. I can't, I mean, I, really, I, I mean, in good just... conscience. And again, I, I guess it is because we get very close with our clients. I mean, it's a very residential design is a very intimate experience. You're spending a lot of time with them. You're in their home. They trust you to be in there without their supervision and all that type of thing. And it's just like, yeah, the, that feeling of like not being really genuine about how you're operating your business and how you're charging for what it is that that you really are offering is is beyond me because yeah, I just I don't think crazy. I could do it I don't think I could you know send the invoices no out and feel no bad. you know it's not about about not charging your value or any of that don't don't I don't right. want you know I don't want new right. designers to get the wrong idea here I want us all to rise up I am not interested in a one size fits all but I do want the industry I belong to to be viewed as better than it is now I really I really do so so let's get going with this again number seven professional designers learn the interior design and K and B guidelines on placing lighting, furnishings, clearances, you know, and all the stuff that you need to know, okay? Ask for help if you don't know, because this comes up a lot in KMB. You know, as most of you know, I came up in the KMB world and, you know, did that exclusively for many years before I started doing full service design. So I'm very close to that industry. And I think that it, it's just, there's a lot of people out there that say they do kitchen and bath design, but really have not a single clue. And you can tell the minute they open their mouth and they talk about something in a group or, or whatever, and just ask for help. There's no shame in that. Again, just ask for help. Um, you know, there 
there are many who will help you with it. Educating yourself is a wonderful thing. Do not fake it until you make it in this arena. Back to that that whole deliverable thing with the coach saying that, I, I want to clarify, you know, it's not that you're not, you know, you don't go in there at a good price. You don't get, you may be a little on the upside of it. You may have to grow into yourself a little bit, but you need to be able to have deliverables for people because here is again, the same thing I said earlier, you cannot recover from that in a marketing way. If you fail, Okay, you are not, especially if you live in a medium to small city, you are not going to recover from that. So there's no reason not to be honest about it and and to go into that, you know, along those same lines, I think, you know, number eight would be for me would be really professional designers do not say I would rather not work than make X amount of money, 175 an hour or whatever. Maybe not work less than 25 an hour, okay? But I mean, just come on, you know? I mean, can we say entitled here? You can raise your rates after every project, okay? You really can. But you gotta get off the high tootin' mountain here because you are gonna be awfully lonely up there when others are working and you are holding on to your rate, your precious rate, okay? And you know I don't believe in hourly in the first place, okay? So <laughs> that whole rate thing is crazy to me anyway, and not, you know, and pricing the project and, and all of that. But, but I'm just saying that I think that a lot of people, and, and I see this happen in those Facebook groups too, that just like that, well, I'm $250 an hour. Well, I can tell you right now, my firm isn't, that, that's not where we are. And I have 23 years of experience and we stay very busy, but that's just not what I would equate our rate to be. Uh, of course, we don't do hourly anyway. So who even knows what, what our rate is, but our published rate, right. you know, for when people go out of scope and that sort of thing is not going to be that. I mean, it's just right. not. And I think that, that a lot of people just want to hold on to that because I don't know, maybe they just want to brag like about it. Like it means something. You know. Like somehow that price point means yeah. something or about how good like you are It makes are you or something, whatever. yeah. Yeah, and if you're I not working, that there's, does it really matter? Right, exactly. And again, it, it all sort of goes hand in hand. I think that, you know, this is a, a little off tangent a bit, but I think that a lot of that mentality of like, you know, I, I do this type of design, I work with this type of client, and this is what I charge. And if you can't afford it, then, you know, too bad for you. There's a lot of opportunity you miss out on, I think. And also, you know, we're constantly thinking right. about like, how do we pivot when we have leads coming in that maybe they're not a good fit, but we see these trends in the people who are getting in touch with us. You know, you're a business. If you're not looking to grow and you just are looking to operate week to week, I guess that's one thing. But if you need to be able to, you know, have longevity in what you're doing, thinking about the logistics of everything beyond that are so, so important. So to be so held up on, feeling like your value is somehow then associated with that price point that you've got posted on your website, it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to get you to the point where you can really grow your portfolio, mm -hmm. where you can get and the, you can the raise it every time that you need. Yeah, you can raise the rate after every job if you want to, if you feel like that, that you're delivering that kind of value, but you do have to deliver value, okay? That's just the way the world works. You do have to deliver right. value in, in some way or another and have that justify what your price is and what you have to figure out is where that level is for you, but you just don't hold on to this rate because a bunch of people on Facebook who probably are working like, you know, an hour a week or something are telling you that's right. what you need to do. And, and what I hate about it though, the worst is when there's like so much shaming going on. Oh, you're only charging that oh well you know you must not be very good at what you do or whatever it's just it's just i i feel like that a lot of newer designers are probably thinking wow i mean i'm just this is i'm in over my head and i think that it's just it, i don't know i just don't i don't it, i just well, it don't minimizes. like that attitude right and i think very very quickly it minimizes the point that we are constantly trying to make which is that you don't want people to associate 
what you do with something that you're billing per hour. That is not going to get you anywhere in right. this type of industry. So it's like to, to remove that from your mindset, I think, is just such an important piece. It's one right. thing to think about right. it internally and to be sure that you're not, you know, I don't know, you know, spending too much time getting designs done. But it, from the perspective of a client, it's not a good way to approach things, period. Right. The, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just not good. Okay. So let's get moving on here. Okay. What are two more twisted and tangled truths? Number nine, a pro is going to understand sales tax in their state. They're going to have a business license. They're going to have business insurance. They're going to understand where their money is going. And they probably don't really need 17 bank accounts. Like some people advise, I'm just saying, but that's a whole nother podcast. Number 10 might be along those, those same lines, really, are that professionals know that Venmo and Cash Apps are not good optics to the right kind of clients. They're just not. And they're definitely not allowed for business. Hello, they are not allowed for business. And even the Venmo business app that is allowed is Bobo to me. I just don't, I just don't see that being, you know, charge me, you know, I'm going to charge you $200 an hour and we're going to do this, you know, $50,000 room and can you Venmo me the money? I mean, maybe that's done on the lifestyles of the rich and famous or something, or maybe that's, wait, I'm really dating myself because that's an old show. But maybe it's done on one of those shows that's like that. I don't watch those shows. Maybe that's like the, the hip thing to do, but I'm telling you, it's not professional, okay? It's completely inappropriate for anyone operating a real business who is in a service industry selling value. Okay. All right. Nothing about Venmo screams luxury or design expert. Okay. That's just like, that's just the way it is. All right. So you don't need to be doing that. Plus it's a, it's an accounting nightmare. I just, it makes, after all that accounting stuff we went through yesterday, Liz, I'm just, we were in accounting hell yesterday. And so I'm just telling you that that is just like a recipe for disaster. You can't run an effective yeah. business that way. You just can't, you know, unless you're yeah. just like, you know, working part-time or something like that. And, and let me say this too, again, I want to emphasize this. You can be a part-time designer and be a professional all day long. It's a choice. You can be a stay-at-home mom with kids under your feet and still be a professional. Okay. It's about the choices you make, not how your life is set up. I think the Venmo thing also, well, besides the fact that there's all sorts of other convoluted issues with it, but we have situations where some subs in the past have either not accepted check payment or not, you know, they don't have a method for people to be able to pay them besides cash. Those type of situations are not good. And if you want to get a temperature for what your clients are going to think about that, <laughs> ask yeah. them about getting yeah. a payment to a tile guy. I can remember one of our clients being like, you know, on what planet are we living that I have to go to an ATM to get this guy cash after he just, you know, finished a backsplash in a kitchen? Like, this is ridiculous. And I agree. Yeah, not, it, you know, it doesn't say good you things about your business. cannot operate that way. It's it it demeans what you're doing, and it's also not a good organized right. way. Probably, I'm just, I can't imagine what accountants would say about all this, but um, you know, just not a good way to sort of maintain things over the course of the year. But again, this right. all translates to how people perceive what it is that you're doing. You know, how they look at how you run your business, and I think that Cheryl talks about this a lot with new consults. A lot of times there are certain types of clients who show up in our at our doorstep who, you know, they're accountants or they're engineers. They have a very specific way of thinking. They appre appreciate that business acumen in a big way. And that really is a big do. way that we establish trust. And that's and our ideal client. Status very early on. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's, that's that our ideal translates. Client. Right. It translates. Right. It really, it really does. It, it translates and then it also telegraphs. You know, when you're not doing something quite right, it telegraphs out there. Right. You can't buy a few how-to guides or books on design and expect to become educated. You can possess a lot of talent, though, and dig in. 
Of course you can, but it takes more than talent to be a professional, y'all. It really does. It's a multi-pronged endeavor for sure, and it can be done without four years of school. I highly recommend education. I really do. But if you're starting out after another career, that counts for a lot. It really does because that life experience is important, and, and there's a lot of moving parts in this industry, and it takes experience to get there. You just got to remember that. But you can start and make that choice to be a professional right from the very beginning. And don't make the rest of us look bad by getting in over your head or charging more than you should for the level of experience you offer. And there's no shame in that game of owning your talent that you have and your inexperience. They can coexist. Honestly, they can. And there are clients who will understand this too if you're honest about it. There's probably clients that would be thrilled to get that talent and that you may be a little inexperienced as long as you're open about it and honest about it. And you say, I, don't, I know what I don't know. And that kind of thing. There's probably people out there that really would appreciate that. But if you get it over your head, you're making us all look bad for that. you know. And, and there's so many resources today. The, the business groups, the mentors, coaches, offering their brain at a bargain cost that you know we didn't have in the past a lot of uh, self-study options you know too and going back to school you know that would be tons of fun to me and I think Liz too I think we both would love to oh go back gosh, to school yeah, we had, didn't have to have gainful employment and all that kind of thing I don't want to do it and all the other stuff too but none of this is enough we all must put in the work and explore ways to build your creative mojo and the ins and outs of running a business. Make an intentional commitment to representing our industry as a professional, okay? And watch what happens for you. Watch how you will accelerate your growth when you make a choice to be a professional. These are just 10 of my top testy, whatever my T words are there. These are just <laughs> some of the ones. There's there's others, obviously, but this is not five-hour show and all that. But there's a lot of things that you can do to make yourself come across good. All right, Liz, before we wrap it up with the damn good truth, do you have anything else to say? Anything no, else to No, I think that it's just like you said, it's really, really good to keep in mind that you're projecting in every sort of sense of the way from your website, how you, even how you follow up with new leads, how you deal with subs and contractors, those are all things that are establishing a certain expectation in other people about mm -hmm. you and how you work as a professional. That is the way that you build a business. It does not really, I mean, it's a lot of work, of course, but the real true sort of values behind it are very, very basic. It's just a matter of making sure that you hold yourself to them and, and being reflective yeah. when something doesn't go quite sure. right to address, mm, maybe this is something that you need to figure out internally. And maybe it's not about everyone else who's around you. Yep, that's your, that sums it up really well. So here is our damn good truth for today. It's time to level up the industry. All of us are in this together. We really are. I love you guys. I love coaching others to build a profitable business. And I love, 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 love those who have been around for a time and are still wanting to learn new approaches and deconstruct the norms. I really do. And I don't care if you don't have a lick of training or knowledge, but woke up one day and fancied yourself a designer. Okay, great. I'm behind you. I'm going to cheerlead you down the field doing backflips and singing my fight song. Okay, I am here for the encouragement, but you have to help yourself first. No one is going to do it for you. And sometimes it requires going out of your way to figure it out, find the answers, ask for more, speak up, connect the dots, and no matter what, show up as the professional you want to be seen as. All right, 
Thank you so much for being here. And we hope to see you again next week. Hop on over to damngooddesigner.com and see what we are up to. We are taking people right now and talking to people for the design paradigm for this current year that we're in and lots of cool things coming up as well that we will be talking about it on the website at some point. So thank you again for being here. We do appreciate your time. Yeah, bye y'all. Until next time, stay bold, stay inspired, and keep embracing your bag girl spirit. If you've enjoyed today's show, head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter.